part eight of yellowstone national park six early pieces by various this librivox recording is in the public domain part eight thirty seven days of peril part one i have read with great satisfaction the excellent descriptive articles on the wonders of the upper yellowstone in the may and june numbers of your magazine having myself been one of the party who participated in many of the pleasures and suffered all the perils of that expedition i can not only bear testimony to the fidelity of the narrative but probably add some facts of experience which will not detract from the general interest it has excited a desire to visit the remarkable region of which during several years residence in montana i had often heard the most marvellous accounts led me to unite in the expedition of august last the general character of the stupendous scenery of the rocky mountains prepared my mind for giving credit to all the strange stories told of the yellowstone and i felt quite as certain of the existence of the physical phenomena of that country on the morning that our company started from helena as when i afterwards beheld it i engaged in the enterprise with enthusiasm feeling that all the hardships and exposures of a month's horseback travel through an unexplored region would be more than compensated by the grandeur and novelty of the natural objects with which it was crowded of course the idea of being lost in it without any of the ordinary means of subsistence and the wandering for days and weeks in a famishing condition alone in an unfrequented wilderness formed no part of my contemplation i had dwelt too long amid the mountains not to know that such a thought had it occurred would have been instantly rejected as improbable nevertheless man proposes and god disposes a truism which found a new and ample illustration in my wanderings through the upper yellowstone region on the day that i found myself separated from the company and for several days previous our course had been impeded by the dense growth of the pine forest and occasional large tracts of fallen timber frequently rendering our progress almost impossible whenever we came to one of these immense windfalls each man engaged in the pursuit of a passage through it and it was while thus employed and with the idea that i had found one that i strayed out of sight and hearing of my comrades we had a toilsome day it was quite late in the afternoon as separation like this had frequently occurred it gave me no alarm and i rode on fully confident of soon rejoining the company or of finding their camp i came up with the pack-horse which mr langford afterwards recovered and tried to drive him along but failing to do so and my eyesight being defective i spurred forward intending to return with assistance from the party this incident tended to accelerate my speed i rode on in the direction which i supposed had been taken until darkness overtook me in the dense forest this was disagreeable enough but caused me no alarm i had no doubt of being with the party at breakfast the next morning i selected a spot for comfortable repose picketed my horse built a fire and went to sleep the next morning i rose at early dawn saddled and mounted my horse and took my course in the supposed direction of the camp our ride of the previous day had been up a peninsula jutting into the lake for the shore of which i started with the expectation of finding my friends camped on the beach the forest was quite dark and the trees so thick that it was only by a slow process i could get through them at all in searching for the trail i became somewhat confused 
the falling foliage of the pines had obliterated every trace of travel i was obliged frequently to dismount and examine the ground for the faintest indications coming to an opening from which i would see several vistas i dismounted for the purpose of selecting one leading in the direction i had chosen and leaving my horse unhitched as had always been my custom walked a few yards into the forest while surveying the ground my horse took fright and i turned around in time to see him disappearing at full speed among the trees that was the last i ever saw of him it was yet quite dark my blankets gun pistols fishing tackle matches everything except the clothing on my person a couple of knives and a small opera glass were attached to the saddle i did not realize the possibility of a permanent separation from the company instead of following up the pursuit of their camp i engaged in an effort to recover my horse half a day's search convinced me of its impracticability i wrote and posted in an open space several notices which if my friend should chance to see would inform them of my condition and the route i had taken and then struck out into the forest in the supposed direction of their camp as the day wore on without any discovery alarm took the place of anxiety at the prospect of another night alone in the wilderness and this time without food or fire but even this dismal foreboding was cheered by the hope that should soon rejoin my companions who would laugh at my adventure and incorporate it as a thrilling episode into the journal of our trip the bright side of a misfortune as i found by experience even under the worst possible circumstances always presents some features of encouragement when i began to realize that my condition was one of actual peril i banished from my mind all fear of an unfavorable result seating myself on a log i recalled every foot of the way i had traveled since the separation from my friends and the most probable opinion i could form of their whereabouts was that they had by a course but little different from mine passed by the spot where i had posted the notices learned of my disaster and were waiting for me the rejoin of them there or searching for me in that vicinity a night must be spent amid the prostrate trunks before my return could be accomplished at no time during my period of exile did i experience so much mental suffering from the cravings of hunger as when exhausted from this long day of fruitless search i resigned myself to a couch of pine foliage in the pitchy darkness of a thicket of small trees naturally timid in the night i fully realized the exposure of my condition i peered upward through the darkness but all was blackness and gloom the wind sighed mournfully through the pines the forest seemed alive with the screeching of night-birds the angry barking of coyotes and the prolonged dismal howl of the gray wolf these sounds familiar by their constant occurrence throughout the journey were now full of terror and drove slumber from my eyelids above all this however was the hope that i should be restored to my comrades the next day early the next morning i rose unrefreshed and pursued my weary way over the prostrate trunks it was noon when i reached the spot where my notices were posted no one had been there my disappointment was almost overwhelming for the first time i realized that i was lost then came a crushing sense of destitution no food no fire no means to procure either 
alone in an unexplored wilderness one hundred and fifty miles from the nearest human abode surrounded by wild beasts and famishing with hunger it was no time for despondency a moment afterwards i felt how calamity can elevate the mind in the formation of the resolution not to perish in that wilderness the hope of finding the party still controlled my plans i thought by traversing the peninsula centrally i might be enabled to strike the shore of the lake in advance of their camp and near the point of departure for the madison acting upon this impression i rose from a sleepless couch and pursued my way through the timber entangled forest a feeling of weakness took the place of hunger conscious of the need of food i felt no cravings occasionally while scrambling over logs and through thickets a sense of faintness and exhaustion would come over me but i would suppress it with the audible expression this won't do i must find my company despondency would sometimes strive with resolution for the mastery of my thoughts i would think of home of my daughter and of the possible chance of starvation or death in some more terrible form but as soon as these gloomy forebodings came i would strive to banish them with reflections better adapted to my immediate necessities i recollect at this time discussing the question whether there was not implanted by providence in every man a principle of self-preservation equal to any emergency which did not destroy his reason i decided this question affirmatively a thousand times afterwards in my wanderings and i record this experience here that any person who reads it should he ever find himself in like circumstances may not despair there is life in the thought it will revive hope allay hunger renew energy encourage perseverance and as i have proved in my own case bring a man out of difficulty when nothing else can avail it was midday when i emerged from the forest into an open space at the foot of the peninsula a broad lake of beautiful curvature with magnificent surroundings lay before me glittering in the sunbeams it was full twelve miles in circumference a wide belt of sand formed the margin which i was approaching directly opposite to which rising seemingly from the very depths of the water towered the loftiest peak of a range of mountains apparently interminable the ascending vapour from innumerable hot springs and the sparkling jet of a single geyser added the feature of novelty to one of the grandest landscapes i ever beheld nor was the life of the scene less noticeable than its other attractions large flocks of swans and other waterfowl were sporting on the quiet surface of the lake otters in great numbers performed the most amusing aquatic evolutions mink and beaver swam around unscared in the most grotesque confusion deer elk and mountain sheep stared at me manifesting more surprise than fear at my presence among them the adjacent forest was vocal with the songs of birds chief of which were the chattering notes of a species of mocking-bird whose imitative efforts afforded abundant merriment seen under favourable circumstances this assemblage of grandeur beauty and novelty would have been transporting but jaded with travel famishing with hunger and distressed with anxiety i was in no humour for ecstasy my tastes were subdued and chastened by the perils which environed me i longed for food friends and protection 
associated with my thoughts however was the wish that some of my friends of peculiar tastes could enjoy this display of secluded magnificence now probably for the first time beheld by mortal eyes the lake was at least one thousand feet lower than the highest point of the peninsula and several hundred feet below the level of yellowstone lake i recognized the mountain which overshadowed it as the landmark which a few days before had received from general washburn the name of mount everts and as it was associated with some of the most agreeable and terrible incidents of my exile i feel that i have more than a mere discoverer's right to the perpetuity of that christening the lake is fed by innumerable small streams from the mountains and the countless hot springs surrounding it a large river flows from it through a canyon a thousand feet in height in a southeasterly direction to a distant range of mountains which i conjectured to be snake river and with the belief that i had discovered the source of the great southern tributary of the columbia i gave it the name of bessie lake after the sole daughter of my house and heart during the first two days the fear of meeting with indians gave me considerable anxiety but when conscious of being lost there was nothing i so much desired as to fall in with a lodge of bannocks or crows having nothing to tempt their cupidity they would do me no personal harm and with the promise of reward would probably minister to my wants and aid my deliverance imagine my delight while gazing upon the animated expanse of water at seeing sail out from a distant point a large canoe containing a single oarsman it was rapidly approaching the shore where i was seated with hurried steps i paced the beach to meet it all my energy stimulated by the assurance it gave of food safety and restoration to friends as i drew near to it it turned towards the shore and oh bitter disappointment the object which my eager fancy had transformed into an angel of relief stalked from the water an enormous pelican flapped its dragon wings as if in mockery of my sorrow and flew to a solitary point farther up the lake this little incident quite unmanned me the transition from joy to grief brought with it a terrible consciousness of the horrors of my condition but night was fast approaching and darkness would come with it while looking for a spot where i might repose in safety my attention was attracted to a small green plant of so lively a hue as to form a striking contrast with deep pine foliage for closer examination i pulled it up by the root which was long and tapering not unlike a radish it was a thistle i tasted it it was palatable and nutritious my appetite craved it and the first meal in four days was made on thistle roots eureka i had found food no optical illusion deceived me this time i could subsist until i rejoined my companions glorious counterpoise to the wretchedness of the preceding half-hour overjoyed at this discovery with hunger allayed i stretched myself under a tree upon the foliage which had partially filled a space between contiguous trunks and fell asleep how long i slept i know not but suddenly i was roused by a loud shrill scream like that of a human being in distress poured seemingly into the very portals of my ear there was no mistaking that fearful voice 
i had been deceived by and answered it a dozen times while threading the forest with the belief that it was a friendly signal it was the screech of a mountain lion so alarmingly near as to cause every nerve to thrill with terror to yell in return seize with convulsive grasp the limbs of the friendly tree and swing myself into it was the work of a moment scrambling hurriedly from limb to limb i was soon as near the top as safety would permit the savage beast was snuffing and growling below apparently on the very spot i had just abandoned i answered every growl with a responsive scream terrified at the delay and pawing of the beast i increased my voice to its utmost volume broke branches from the limbs and in the impotency of fright madly hurled them at the spot whence the continued howlings proceeded failing to alarm the animal which now began to make a circuit of the tree as if to select a spot for springing into it i shook with a strength increased by terror the slender trunk until every limb rustled with the motion all in vain the terrible creature pursued his walk around the tree lashing the ground with his tail and prolonging his howlings almost to a roar it was too dark to see but the movements of the lion kept me apprised of its position whenever i heard it on one side of the tree i speedily changed to the opposite an exercise which in my weakened state i could only have performed under the impulse of terror i would alternately sweat and thrill with horror at the thought of being torn to pieces and devoured by this formidable monster all my attempts to frighten it seemed unavailing disheartened at its persistency and expecting every moment it would take the deadly leap i tried to collect my thoughts and prepare for the fatal encounter which i knew must result just at this moment it occurred to me that i would try silence clasping the trunk of the tree with both arms i sat perfectly still the lion at this time ranging around occasionally snuffing and pausing and all the while filling the forest with the echo of his howlings suddenly imitated my example this silence was more terrible if possible than the clatter and crash of his movements through the brushwood for now i did not know from what direction to expect his attack moments passed with me like hours after a lapse of time which i cannot estimate the beast gave a spring into the thicket and ran screaming into the forest my deliverance was effected had strength permitted i should have retained my perch till daylight but with the consciousness of escape from the jaws of the ferocious brute came a sense of overpowering weakness which almost palsied me and made my descent from the tree both difficult and dangerous incredible as it may seem i lay down in my old bed and was soon lost in a slumber so profound that i did not awake until after daylight the experience of the night seemed like a terrible dream but the broken limbs which in the agony of consternation i had thrown from the tree and the rifts made in fallen foliage by my visitant in his circumambulations were too convincing evidences of its reality i could not dwell upon my exposure and escape without shuddering and reflecting that probably like perils would often occur under less fortunate circumstances and with a more fatal issue i wondered what fate was in reserve for me 
whether i should ultimately sink from exhaustion and perish of starvation or become the prey of some of the ferocious animals that roamed these vast fastnesses my thoughts then turned to the loved ones at home they could never know my fate and would indulge a thousand conjectures concerning it not the least distressing of which would be that i had been captured by a band of hostile sioux and tortured to death at the stake i was roused from this train of reflections by a marked change in the atmosphere one of those dreary storms of mingled snow and rain common to these high altitudes set in my clothing which had been much torn exposed my person to its pitiless peltings an easterly wind rising to a gale admonished me that it would be furious and of long duration none of the discouragements i had met with dissipated the hope of rejoining my friends but foreseeing the delay now unavoidable i knew that my escape from the wilderness must be accomplished if at all by my own unaided exertions this thought was terribly afflicting and brought before me in vivid array all the dreadful realities of my condition i could see no ray of hope in this condition of mind i could find no better shelter than the spreading branches of a spruce tree under which covered with earth and boughs i lay during the two succeeding days the storm meanwhile raging with unabated violence while thus exposed and suffering from cold and hunger a little benumbed bird not larger than a snowbird hopped within my reach i instantly seized and killed it and plucking its feathers ate it raw it was a delicious meal for a half-starved man taking advantage of a lull in the elements on the morning of the third day i rose early and started in the direction of a large group of hot springs which were steaming under the shadow of mount everts the distance i travelled could not have been less than ten miles long before i reached the wonderful cluster of natural cauldrons the storm had recommenced chilled through with my clothing thoroughly saturated i lay down under a tree upon the heated incrustation until completely warmed my heels and the sides of my feet were frozen as soon as warmth had permeated my system and i had quieted my appetite with a few thistle roots i took a survey of my surroundings and selected a spot between two springs sufficiently asunder to afford heat at my head and feet on this spot i built a bower of pine branches spread its encrusted surface with fallen foliage and small boughs and stowed myself away to await the close of the storm thistles were abundant and i had fed upon them long enough to realize that they would for a while at least sustain life in convenient proximity to my abode was a small round boiling spring which i called my dinner pot in which from time to time i cooked my roots this establishment the best i could improvise with the means at hand i occupied seven days the first three of which were darkened by one of the most furious storms i ever saw the vapour which supplied me with warmth saturated my clothing with its condensations i was enveloped in a perpetual steam bath at first this was barely preferable to the storm but i soon became accustomed to it and before i left though thoroughly parboiled actually enjoyed it i had little else to do during my imprisonment but cook think and sleep 
of the variety and strangeness of my reflections it is impossible to give the faintest conception much of my time was given to devising means for escape i recollected to have read at the time of their publication the narratives of lieutenant strain and dr kane and derived courage and hope from the reflection that they struggled with and survived perils not unlike those which environed me the chilling thought would then occur that they were not alone they had companions in suffering and sympathy each could bear his share of the burden of misery which it fell to my lot to bear alone and make it lighter from the encouragement of mutual counsel and aid in a cause of common suffering selfish as the thought may seem there was nothing i so much desired as a companion in misfortune how greatly it would alleviate my distress what a relief it would be to compare my wretchedness with that of a brother sufferer and with him devise expedients for every exigency as it occurred i confess to the weakness if it be one of having squandered much pity upon myself during the time i had little else to do nothing gave me more concern than the want of fire i recalled everything i had ever read or heard of the means by which fire could be produced but none of them were within my reach an escape without it was simply impossible it was indispensable as a protection against night attacks from wild beasts exposure to another storm like the one just over would destroy my life as this one would have done but for the warmth derived from the springs as i lay in my bower anxiously awaiting the disappearance of the snow which had fallen to the depth of a foot or more and impressed with the belief that for want of fire i should be obliged to remain among the springs it occurred to me that i would erect some sort of monument which might at some future day inform a casual visitor of the circumstances under which i had perished a gleam of sunshine lit up the bosom of the lake and with it the thought flashed upon my mind that i could with a lens from my opera-glasses get fire from heaven oh happy life-renewing thought instantly subjecting it to the test of experiment when i saw the smoke curl from the bit of dry wood in my fingers i felt if the whole world were offered me for it i would cast it all aside before parting with that little spark i was now the happy possessor of food and fire these would carry me through all thoughts of failure were instantly abandoned though the food was barely adequate to my necessities a fact too painfully attested by my attenuated body i had forgotten the cravings of hunger and had the means of producing fire i said to myself i will not despair my stay at the springs was prolonged several days by an accident that befell me on the third night after my arrival there an unlucky movement while asleep broke the crust on which i reposed and the hot steam pouring upon my hip scalded it severely before i could escape this new affliction added to my frost-bitten feet already festering was the cause of frequent delays and unceasing pain through all my wanderings after obtaining fire i set to work making preparations for as early departure as my condition would permit i had lost both knives since parting from the company but i now made a convenient substitute by sharpening the tongue of a buckle which i cut from my vest 
with this i cut the legs and counters from my boots making of them a passable pair of slippers which i fastened to my feet as firmly as i could with strips of bark with the ravelings of a linen handkerchief aided by the magic buckle tongue i mended my clothing of the same material i made a fish line which on finding a piece of red tape in one of my pockets better suited to the purpose i abandoned as a bad job i made of a pin that i found in my coat a fish-hook and by sewing up the bottoms of my bootlegs constructed a good pair of pouches to carry my food in fastening them to my belt by the straps thus accoutred on the morning of the eighth day after my arrival at the springs i bade them a final farewell and started on my course directly across that portion of the neck of the peninsula between me and the southeast arm of yellowstone lake it was a beautiful morning the sun shone bright and warm and there was a freshness in the atmosphere truly exhilarating as i wandered musingly along the consciousness of being alone and of having surrendered all hope of finding my friends returned upon me with crushing power i felt too that those friends by the necessities of their conditions had been compelled to abandon all efforts for my recovery the thought was full of bitterness and sorrow i tried to realize what their conjectures were concerning my disappearance but could derive no consolation from the long and dismal train of circumstances they suggested weakened by a long fast and the unsatisfying nature of the only food i could procure i know that from this time onward to the day of my rescue my mind though unimpaired in those perceptions needful to self-preservation was in a condition to receive impressions akin to insanity i was constantly travelling in dreamland and indulging in strange reveries such as i had never before known i seemed to possess a sort of duality of being which while constantly reminding me of the necessities of my condition fed my imagination with vagaries of the most extravagant character nevertheless i was perfectly conscious of the tendency of these morbid influences and often tried to shake them off but they would ever return with increased force and i finally reasoned myself into the belief that their indulgence as it afforded me pleasure could work no harm while it did not interfere with my plans for deliverance thus i lived in a world of ideal happiness and in a world of positive suffering at the same time a change in the wind and an overcast sky accompanied by cold brought with them a need of warmth i drew out my lens and touchwood but alas there was no sun i sat down on a log to await his friendly appearance hours passed he did not come night cold freezing night set in and found me exposed to all its terrors a bleak hillside sparsely covered with pines afforded poor accommodation for a half-clad famished man i could only keep from freezing by the most active exertion in walking rubbing and striking my benumbed feet and hands against the logs it seemed the longest most terrible night of my life and glad was i when the approaching dawn enabled me to commence retracing my steps to bessie lake i arrived there at noon built my first fire on the beach and remained by it recuperating for the succeeding two days 
the faint hope that my friends might be delayed by their search for me until i could rejoin them now forsook me altogether i made my arrangements independent of it either of three directions i might take would effect my escape if life and strength held out i drew upon the sand of the beach a map of these several courses with reference to my starting-point from the lake and considered well the difficulties each would present all were sufficiently defined to avoid mistake one was to follow snake river a distance of one hundred miles or more to eagle rock bridge another to cross the country between the southern shore of yellowstone lake and the madison mountains by scaling which i could easily reach the settlements in the madison valley and the other to retrace my journey over the long and discouraging route by which i had entered the country of these routes the last mentioned seemed the least inviting probably because i had so recently traversed it and was familiar with its difficulties i had heard and read so much concerning the desolation and elemental upheavals and violent waters of the upper valley of the snake that i dared not attempt to return in that direction the route by the madison range encumbered by the single obstruction of the mountain barrier was much the shortest and so most unwisely as will hereafter appear i adopted it filling my pouches with thistle roots i took a parting survey of the little solitude that had afforded me food and fire the preceding ten days and with something of that melancholy feeling experienced by one who leaves his home to grapple with untried adventures started for the nearest point on yellowstone lake all that day i travelled over timber heaps amid tree-tops and through thickets at noon i took the precaution to obtain fire with a brand which i kept alive by frequent blowing and constant waving to and fro at a late hour in the afternoon faint and exhausted i kindled a fire for the night on the only vacant spot i could find amid a dense wilderness of pines the deep gloom of the forest in the spectral light which revealed on all sides of me a compact and unending growth of trunks and an impervious canopy of sombre foliage the shrieking of night-birds the supernaturally human scream of the mountain-lion the prolonged howl of the wolf made me insensible to all other forms of suffering the burn on my hip was so inflamed that i could only sleep in a sitting posture seated with my back against a tree the smoke from the fire almost enveloping me in its suffocating folds i vainly tried amid the din and uproar of this horrible serenade to woo the drowsy god my imagination was instinct with terror at one moment it seemed as if in the density of a thicket i could see the blazing eyes of a formidable forest monster fixed upon me preparatory to a deadly leap at another i fancied that i heard the swift approach of a pack of yelping wolves through the distant brushwood which in a few minutes would tear me limb from limb whenever by fatigue and weakness my terror yielded to drowsiness the least noise roused me to a sense of the hideousness of my condition once in a fitful slumber i fell forward into the fire and inflicted a wretched burn on my hand oh with what agony i longed for day a bright and glorious morning succeeded the dismal night and brought with it the conviction that i had been the victim of uncontrollable nervous excitement 
i resolved henceforth to banish it altogether and in much better spirits than i anticipated resumed my journey towards the lake another day of unceasing toil among the tree-tops and thickets overtook me near sunset standing upon a lofty headland jutting into the lake and commanding a magnificent prospect of the mountains and valley over an immense area in front of me at a distance of fifty miles away in the clear blue of the horizon rose the arrowy peaks of the three tetons on the right and apparently in close proximity to the eminence i occupied rolled the picturesque range of the madison scarred with clefts ravines gorges and canyons each of which glittered in the sunlight or deepened in shadow as the fitful rays of the descending luminary glanced along their varied rocky irregularities above where i stood were the lofty domes of mounts langford and doan marking the limits of that wonderful barrier which had so long defied human power in its efforts to subdue it rising seemingly from the promontory which favoured my vision was the familiar summit of mount everts at the base of which i had dwelt so long and which still seemed to hold me within its friendly shadow all the vast country within this grand enclosure of mountain and lake scarred and seamed with the grotesque ridges rocky escarpments undulating hillocks and miniature lakes and steaming with hot springs produced by the volcanic forces of a former era lay spread out before me like a vast panorama i doubt if distress and suffering can ever entirely obliterate all sense of natural grandeur and magnificence lost in the wonder and admiration inspired by this vast world of beauties i nearly forgot to improve the few moments of remaining sunshine to obtain fire with a lighted brand in my hand i effected a most difficult and arduous descent of the abrupt and stony headland to the beach of the lake the sand was soft and yielding i kindled a fire and removing the stiffened slippers from my feet attached them to my belt and wandered barefoot along the sandy shore to gather wood for the night the dry warm sand was most grateful to my lacerated and festering feet and for a long time after my woodpile was supplied i sat with them uncovered at length conscious of the need of every possible protection from the freezing night atmosphere i sought my belt for the slippers and one was missing in gathering the wood it had become detached and was lost darkness was closing over the landscape when sorely disheartened with the thought of passing the night with one foot exposed to freezing temperature i commenced a search for the missing slipper i knew i could not travel a day without it fearful that it had dropped into the lake and been carried by some recurrent wave beyond recovery my search for an hour among fallen trees and bushes up the hillside and along the beach in darkness and with flaming brands at one moment crawling on hands and feet into a brush heap another peering among logs and bushes and stones was filled with anxiety and dismay success at length rewarded my perseverance and no language can describe the joy with which i drew the cause of so much distress from beneath the limb that as i passed had torn it from my belt 
with a feeling of great relief i now sat down in the sand my back to a log and listened to the dash and roar of the waves it was a wild lullaby but had no terrors for a worn-out man i never passed a night of more refreshing sleep when i awoke my fire was extinguished save a few embers which i soon fanned into a cheerful flame i ate breakfast with some relish and started along the beach in pursuit of a camp believing that if successful i should find directions what to do and food to sustain me the search which i was making lay in the direction of my prearranged route to the madison mountains which i intended to approach at their lowest point of altitude End of part 8